Hello everyone, this is Tyler on Season 1, Episode 16, 17 of Talking with Tyler. I probably should have checked, but knowing me, being the dummy I am, I did not. But today we are going to go over NFL week, sort of two to three takeaways, how the teams looked over these past two weeks. Sorry I didn't get around to doing last week, was a little busy with my dad's birthday and some other stuff going on, so sorry about that. But I'm back, and let's get into this thing. So the first game, we well, the first, I guess, technically we're going in pairs, is the Ravens being, I guess you could say, the tale of two games. Obviously, we all remember the Dolphins coming back and beating the Ravens 42-38. to um, Tua Tagovailoa going off for six touchdowns and over 460 yards. And it, it just, you can't allow 28 points. You can't allow, like, in the fourth quarter. And any, even allowing 28 itself isn't very good. It isn't. But allowing 28 in one quarter, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, I don't even know how that happens. But as for the Dolphins, I mean, it was a hell of a win. They won this week against, why am I drawing a blank on the Oh, the Bills, obviously. We'll get to that game in a little bit. And But the Ravens did bounce back. They bounced back. They headed into Foxborough. Not an easy place to play. And they beat the Patriots by 11, 37-26. to 26. Obviously, the big story of this game was not the Ravens winning. However, it was Mac Jones going down with a very bad knee. He will be out for a few weeks, which definitely hurts the Patriots' playoff chances. Especially because you ain't may want to get. You'd be lucky to win one game with Brian Hoyer as your starting quarterback. They travel at Green Bay. I forget their other game, but at Green Bay, that's going to be probably a brutal game. Now, the Patriots will still be in most of their game just because they're an extremely well-coached team. They're a disciplined team, but it's going to be very hard. I'm not saying Mac Jones is a superstar, but, like, obviously you feel way more comfortable with Mac Jones than you do Brian Hoyer. And, yes, again, as for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson's been very playing very well. I want to say he has 10 total touchdowns in the past two weeks, which is crazy. And this offense looks really good, in my opinion. It, before the injuries... It looked better than last year's offense. And even maybe even the year before, Lamar Jackson definitely, he looks a little better as a passer to me, at least, and he doesn't even have that great of weapons. Next game we have is the Eagles almost blanking the Commanders 24-8. to I mean, Jesus Christ, Carson Wentz. What the hell happened out there? Oh my lord, you know, this is the game where you play your former team, you're at home. To be fair, it's a shitty home because FedEx Field is complete garbage. Seriously, they need to get rid of it. Before I, I'll talk about the game and then I'll go on a little rant about that. But, I mean, the Eagles just controlled this game all the way out. From running, passing, they just were not challenged in the slightest. And only, in what, they were... Challenged that in garbage time. Oh wow, Commander scoring points. Woohoo! Yeah, no. Outside of that, there isn't much to say. I mean, your God, Commander, you need to get a new stadium. FedEx Field is a disaster. Move out of there. Get Dan Snyder out of your franchise. 
They start fresh with a new owner and a new stadium, new everything. <sighs> Jesus, man. Just, I mean, can the Commanders still compete? Yeah, but I don't know if they're going to be a playoff. They're highly doubt going to be a playoff team. The Cowboys look better, and the Cowboys don't have Dak Prescott. So, I mean, they're currently last in the division. Even the Giants look better than them right now. So, really tough look for the Commanders. Next game we go to is, yeah, this game is, has basically become a meme in two ways. Dolphins-Bills, Dolphins win 21-19. to <laughs> This game is, was the ultimate meme game. First, we had the butt punt for the Dolphins punter. I forget his name. My apologies. <laughs> he kicks into the back of a guy up up his butt. I don't know how he wasn't hurt. Maybe because he had, like, butt pads. I don't know. And then it went flying over backwards for a safety for Buffalo. And then the – and then even before that, there was the uh, – there was the play. I forget what. It was the fourth and – and then Ken Dorsey, the communications, his mic wasn't working. So he was panicking. He was throwing shit everywhere. He was he was throwing his playbooks and his papers. It was nuts. <laughs> I just never seen that. And the other guy, like next to like a few a few seats over, was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> That's literally all this game is known for. It isn't even known for the game itself. It's just known for just for two really funny things. Congratulations to Mike McDaniel. Dolphins, one of only two remaining teams undefeated in the NFL, along with the Philadelphia Eagles. Forgot to congratulate the Eagles. My apologies, but congratulations to Philadelphia as well. Only two 3-0 teams left, and who would have thought it would have been the Dolphins and the Eagles? Maybe someone in a mental asylum. I don't know, but Dolphins look really good. They look like a legit playoff team. We'll see. Maybe even down the road, we can see them as a Super Bowl team because they have a strong enough defense and they have a pretty solid offense. So I definitely think we'll we'll keep an eye on the Dolphins and see how they look later down the stretch. But congratulations to them. Next game up, we have a bland game. Bengals at Jets. Bengals were looking for their first win. They got it. On the road in the shitty MetLife Stadium, which also needs to be renovated because the turf is complete garbo. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about it. I already just did another rant about a stadium. I'm not going to do it again. And the Bengals, they were desperate. Obviously, you do not want to start the year 0-3 after coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. And they did it. Jets just didn't play well, especially offensively. Joe Flacco, I think, threw two picks, and simply the team just overall wasn't good enough to beat the Bengals today. So congratulations to the Bengals on their first win of the year, and hopefully can build some momentum. In an AFC North that's mainly between them and Baltimore, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to catch it along, and even though Cleveland's 2-1, I don't think they'll catch along either. So, so congratulations, Cincinnati. Next up, we had a pretty exciting one. Um, the Minnesota Vikings were down 10 in the fourth quarter, but rallied back, scored two touchdowns to beat the Lions 28-24. to 
there was a few problems with this game for the line. Um, the clock management was really bad, especially at the end. So basically, here's the scenario: you're up twenty-four to twenty-one. It's fourth and four on the thirty-six of Minnesota. So you have a few options here. You take the field goal, could go up by six. Then Minnesota is forced to score a touchdown with, what was it? I want to say how much time left. I want to say like a minute left, minute 10. You go for it, which I don't think Minnesota had any timeouts left. So if you go for it, you pretty much win the game. Or option three, you try to do maybe a punt or a little pooch kick. Try to get it within like the 15 to the five yard line. But they went for the field goal, and their back was the backup kicker. Their kicker was one of three, ended up being one of four. So he missed the field goal, but that's not the part. Okay, you try to go for the that. That isn't my main issue. My main issue is down the stretch. So I want to say the Vikings were driving. They're at like the Lions. I want to say like twenty five, and they use a timeout with like. 40 seconds left, or 30 seconds, whatever it was. I think it was 35 seconds, actually. Why would you use the... I don't get why the uh, Dan Campbell decided to use a timeout. Why didn't you save the timeout so where if the Vikings do score, you still have one timeout just in case something gets fucked up? I'm not saying the Lions would have won. I'm not saying that. Maybe they don't. But I feel like it puts you in a better position instead of you... I want to say Detroit had to spike the ball. You wouldn't have had to do that spike and lose a down and just put yourself in a worse position. So I didn't really get that. And as for the Vikings, the Vikings capitalized. They literally scored a Kirk Cousins. It was like a 25-yard touchdown to K.J. Osborne. And that gave him the lead and ultimately the victory. So, yeah, congratulations to the Vikings as they are currently in the lead in the NFC North. Because they're 2-1, and one. both of their wins were against division opponents, being the Packers in Week 1 and the Lions in Week 3. In the next game, we have another NFC North team, and they it was the Bears beating the Texans 23-20. Davis Mills threw a pick super late in the game, and Kyra Santos hit an easy 30-yard field goal. And it's weird with this Bears team, like... Justin Fields has played like crap. Like, he's played very poorly. But the weird thing is, the Bears, like, they're hardly allowing him to throw the ball. And they're still 2-1 somehow. I mean, I don't think they're making the playoffs or anything, but they're off to a decent start. I just don't get why they're not giving Justin Fields the ball more. If you want a quarterback to develop, give him the ball more. I get this offensive line is very bad, and it is very bad. This offensive line stinks, by the way. It needs to be addressed at the trade deadline or the offseason or something because it is it is a wretched unit. But the, I want to say Justin Field in his game just thrown like, I want to say like like 9, 17, 19, or was it 17 or 19? It was like maybe like 19, 11, 17 they're running the ball like almost two to one. Like they ran the ball forty times yesterday. Like why aren't I don't get why they're not allowing him to throw the ball and I feel like that might hurt him in the long run because you can't be a one dimensional offense. No team can be a one dimensional offense because then 
they're going to tighten up and pretty much stop the run game. And then at that point, you're screwed. But overall, good good win for the Bears to start out 2-1. and one. As for the Texans, look, you're projected to be a bottom three team in the league. And you, you're pretty much tanking this year, pretty much. Obviously, you're going to try to win some games, obviously. You don't want to go 0-16-1, obviously. But the... Um, what was I going to say? I definitely... Davis Mills, we'll see. The jury's still out on him and if he's the guy. If not, obviously, you can choose between C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And even if you're not high enough to get one of those guys, you still... I don't know, maybe Will Levis, maybe K.J. Jefferson, maybe Hendon Hooker if he really rises up. I'm sure there will be some other riser later in the year that will evaluate as well. Next game was a crazy finish. The Chiefs at the Colts. The Colts get their first victory of the year, so congratulations to them. They win 20-17. to And they finish with, and now they have the weirdest record in the NFL at 1-1-1. And one. Yeah, it does. It sounds so weird. It doesn't sound right. But that's not the point. It was a crazy. It was at the end of the game. I want to say Mahomes was throwing. I want to say he was trying to go for. I don't even remember who he was going for. I'm going to guess Nicole Hardman or Marquez Valdez Scantling. And like tipped in the air in a crazy way. And then the Colts picked it off. Yeah, it's a really bad way to go. That that's the worst. The the tipped picks, in my opinion, are the worst because you know that it shouldn't have happened. I know normal interceptions for quarterbacks. Obviously, quarterbacks knew no those show those don't happen. Tongue twister. But in that case, it's heartbreaking. So for the Chiefs, definitely a bad way to lose. And there was another story with this game. Now I actually just came in my head. Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy were like in a little, little scuffle. It, it, it's not like a major thing, but it was um it was like the argument over a play call with Eric Bieniemy on if they should have went for like I want to say it was like a play that would have maybe put him in a position to get a field goal in. I don't know what the case, and I know people make a big deal about it. Uh, but look, people get into arguments all the time. It, it's what makes us human. And if you tell me you never had an argument in your life, then I'm sorry, but you're full of shit. You are absolutely full of yourself. Everyone is at least that are, and everyone has arguments. Everyone has disagreements, and sometimes it just rubs on us the wrong way. It happens. I'm sure Eric and Patrick will get over it and move on. Simple as that. So I... It's not going to be a storyline that lasts beyond this week. So, yeah. And the next game was uh, looking like um, this team would go away, but the Raiders made it close. It was Raiders at Titans. The Titans win 24-22. Both teams were are, were hoping to avoid an 0-3 start. The Titans were the victor. They're 1-2, and, and they will keep their postseason hopes alive. And as for the Raiders, I mean, it's been a really rough year so far to be a Raiders fan because, my Lord. So the first week you were expected not to win. The Chargers beat you 24-19, whatever. 
fine. The next week, though, was inexcusable. You were up 20-0 on the Cardinals, and you lose 29-23 to in overtime. You had multiple chances to win, and they just completely squandered every opportunity. And then the weird part is Devontae Adams barely getting involved. Over the past two weeks, he's only had seven receptions for 48 yards? I mean, what? You traded a first and second round pick for this guy. Like, I'd expect him to at least get, like, six to ten receptions every week. Like, why isn't he being, maybe he's triple teamed, which, I don't know. I feel like you should never, ever triple team a player, double team at most. Triple, you're, 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 you're spreading yourself too thin there. Especially with the Raiders roster, where you have Hunter Renfro, you have Darren Waller, and even Josh Jacobs out of the backfield at times. And the offensive line for the Raiders just simply not holding up. And their defense, it just isn't a good defense. They've allowed 24, really 23, because of the fumble touchdown, 29, so really 23. And 20, like, they're just, but the offense has been very disappointing like, this offense was supposed to be a really good unit, and it just has not, it just has not shown. Especially because if you look at the skill positions, this is one of the best skill groups in the NFL. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. This should be a really good, and you have a really good quarterback in Derek Carr, so I don't know what's clicking. I heard there was a rumor or it was a report that from Adam Schefter that Mark Davis had a long talk with Josh McDaniels. I don't know what, about secretive stuff. But definitely a disastrous start for the Raiders. You start 0-3. You never want to start 0-3. And now their postseason is already on life. Postseason hopes are already on life support. They'd have to go like 10-4 and to even have a chance. To even have a chance at making the playoffs. And I don't see that happening. So, uh, absolutely, literally the worst possible start the Raiders could have had. And as for the tight ends, congratulations on your first win. You keep your hopes alive. You Next week, you go into Indianapolis, where you've recently had success at. So, I mean, if you get back to 2-2, two and two, if you're 2-2 two and two after four weeks, that isn't bad. If you get to 2-2 two and two after four weeks, after you start 0-2, this win needs to be like a momentum builder. And, dear God, I don't know how you let up a 4th and 5th. The only thing is, you can't allow a 4th and 15 to Mac Hollins on a 48-yard reception. Mac Hollins was absolutely destroying the Titans. But they were able to survive his wrath by two points. And they get their first win of the year. Speaking of first wins of the year, the Panthers also get their first win of the year. 22-14 over the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, the Saints' offense looks very lethargic. It just has not looked good. Like, outside of that comeback against the Falcons, which most of their points were scored in that quarter, by the way. They were lethargic for three of those quarters, but they still did get the win, which ultimately is what matters. doesn't matter if you play shit like three quarters. If you dominate the fourth quarter and you win, that's all that matters. But against the Buccaneers, nothing, and... Um, pretty much almost no offense, and in this game, really almost no offense till the end. 
Panthers defense did a really good job of slowing the Saints offense down. And obviously the talk about Matt Rule, um, is he going to be, I don't think he's still, he's still not going to be here this season as a head coach. I mean, I'm sure a lot of Panthers fans would be happy for me to say that because he just simply isn't a good NFL coach. He's a college coach, and as we all know, almost every single college coach that's gone to the NFL level completely falls flat on their faces. There's only been, like, two college coaches in the last 30 years that actually had success. Pete Carroll, who... Pete Carroll, who obviously won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks nine years ago, and overall, outside of that season, has made some deep runs in the playoffs and has had a lot of great regular season success. And Jim Harbaugh, who helped build the 49ers back to a Super Bowl contender, reached three NFC Championship games, and even made it to a Super Bowl. But outside of that, the list of college coaches to the NFL has been... The resume is pathetic. Look, what, you have... I know I'm sort of getting off topic, but... <laughs> it's just the fact that these college coaches don't work. I, I, I don't get why these teams keep hiring them. Because I've seen Matt Campbell be brought up. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. If I'm an NFL team, I don't think I'd ever hire a college coach. Maybe as, like, a coordinator, maybe. Like, I, I'd feel more fine as it. But as the head man, no. Because most of the time, they're way too in over their heads. They don't understand the pro level... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm going on a rant again. Um, now, um, now we have a surprising team that's been doing well recently. The Jaguars over the Chargers. They've won their past two games. They shut out the Colts twenty-four to nothing, and destroyed the Chargers on the road thirty-eight to ten. Yes, the Chargers had injuries, but the Chargers were still favored by three, and the Jaguars went into Los Angeles and absolutely. Messed up the Chargers. The offense looks really good. Doug Peterson, honestly, I might make a podcast episode of like, or maybe I can even do it in this one, actually. Is that the Doug Peterson Eagles um, divorce has gone well for both sides. Like, think of it. They hired Nick Sirianni. The Eagles are 12-8 and under him so far. They made it to the playoffs when they were expected to be one of the worst teams. And they look way better this year. They look great this year so far. And as for Doug Peterson, he's got the Jaguars off to a 2-1 and one start. They already almost have as many wins as they did last year. The offense doesn't look like, doesn't look lethargic like it did last year under the worst NFL coach ever in Urban Meyer. And, and even some of the overpaid signings like Zay Jones has been productive and Christian Kirk's been really nice for them. Trevor Lawrence getting some weapons. And Trevor Lawrence looks way better. He has six touchdowns to one pick so far this year. And, I mean, that shows you how hor- horrendous of a job Urban Meyer did. Urban Meyer made Trevor Lawrence look like fucking Blake Bortles. Um, now Trevor Lawrence actually looks like a starting caliber quarterback in this league. So congratulations to the Jaguars. And I feel bad because Jaguars have been horrible outside of 2017. They've been horrible for so long. And finally, they seem to have a spark of hope. They finally may have found the right guy ever since they fired Jack Del Rio all those years back. And congratulations, Jaguars. You definitely did it. And James Robinson looks back to his full self. 
I mean, the offense is just clicking on all levels, and obviously the defense played great because they only allowed 10 points. The defense has only allowed 10 points. Honestly, I think they were only a few ways of beating the Commanders, too. Literally, the Jaguars are probably only, like, a few plays away um, from being 3-0, and which is absolutely insane to think about. So congratulations to them. Next up, we have a pretty, had a pretty solid game between two horrible teams. Falcons at Seahawks. The Falcons get the win. 27 to 23 on the road. That's their first one of the year as well. And wait, my no, yeah, that was their first one of the year. But the Falcons have been competitive in all their games. They should have beat the Saints. They they tried to come back against the Rams, but fell short. And against the Seahawks, they were able to come out with the win. Marcus Mariota looked decent. Kyle Pitts. They finally gave him the ball because everyone was wondering where the hell is Kyle Pitts in this offense. But he's finally starting to integrate back because obviously he's your best player. He's an elite athletic tight end that you definitely need. He's a complete mismatch that you need to get the ball more to. So congratulations for the Falcons. I mean, Arthur Smith's had this team competitive. The roster and even the roster, despite not having talent, they're playing like they have a chip on their shoulder. And they've been competitive. They only lost by one. They've only they only lost by one. What was it? Four. Yeah, four. And they won by four this game. So it's not like they're getting blown out. They don't look absolutely horrible. Considering I had this team basically as the worst team, they definitely don't look like the worst team. So they definitely surpassed my expectation in that. And that's for the Seahawks look. I mean, you're just trying to see what sticks this year and what doesn't. You're probably going to draft a quarterback very high in the draft. And we'll see if Pete Carroll stays. He could retire because I don't know if he'd want to. I really don't think he'd want to stay in this long-term rebuild. I really don't think he wants to. He wants to be contending. Not Remember, he's in his early 70s now. Even though he doesn't look like it. He actually looks like a decade younger. He keeps himself in good health. Next game we have is a game I watch because, obviously, you know, I am a Green Bay Packers fan. And the Green Bay Packers win a defensive struggle against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 14-12. to The only complaint I have with the Packers this game is obviously the offense. After the first three drives, the offense, outside of a few plays, looked absolutely just dead. It looked like a carcass out there, rotting for the crows to eat on pretty much. Eh, maybe not that bad, but you get my point. Um, Romeo Dubs had a nice day. He had eight catches for 73 yards and a score. And I just, yeah, the only complaint is, is when this offense gets taken out of rhythm, it like, it, it, it almost, it's almost impossible for them to get in that rhythm back. Same thing happened against the Bears when they had that fumble. So we need to do a better job of not turning it over, especially deep into enemy territory. Because you're giving that team a chance to come back, which the Buccaneers almost did. Good thing we did it. Aaron Rodgers beats Tom Brady and what could possibly be the final duel between two of the best quarterbacks in our generation. So... And it was just a defensive struggle. I got to give credit to Todd Bowles. He adjusted whatever the defense. It's always given given Aaron Rodgers big problems ever since he's been with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
he's an excellent defensive mind. But the Buccaneers offense definitely needs to find its rhythm. And yes, I know they were missing Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and, and Julio Jones. But even the two games before that, well, they did play really good defenses, though. The Cowboys' defense is really good, and the Saints' defense is really good. So maybe it's just the Buccaneers playing three really good defenses. The Packers, you could argue, is the best in the NFL. If not, it looks like a top seven unit, at least. Cowboys' unit looks top ten, and Saints' unit is also probably top ten. So maybe when they play a weaker defense, like maybe the Chiefs, even the Chiefs' defense isn't that horrible. Maybe they'll find their rhythm. Mike Evans will be back. Chris Goblin will hopefully be back. And same with Julio. And we'll see if the Buccaneers will be clicking. But the pass rush for Green Bay got to Tom Brady, sacked him three times, definitely agitated him a bit. And that's how you beat Tom Brady, or really any elite quarterback is getting pressure. But more so with Brady, just because he has a str- struggles moving in the pocket most of the time. Overall, yeah, very stressful game for me, but I'm glad we got the win. Packers 2-1, second in the NFC North because the Vikings hold the tiebreaker because of division record. 1-1 for us, 2-0 for them. But 2-0 is so much better than starting 1-2, and and especially on the road in a very hot environment like Tampa. It's a great win. And as for Tampa, I wouldn't worry too much. This is still, you're still in a weak division. Falcons aren't very good. Panthers aren't very good. Saints, maybe okay. This is still your guys' division to lose. So I wouldn't worry too much if I'm a Buccaneers fan. You just need your offense to be decent and you're fine. This defense is elite. They forced forced two turnovers against the Packers' offense. And they didn't allow anything after those first two drives. Outside of almost a touchdown on the third before Vita Vea forced the fumble out of Aaron Jones' hands. And in our second-to-last game, we have... Actually, third-to-last game. My apologies. Rams beat the Cardinals 20-12. to And the Rams just simply... They own the Cardinals. Whatever Sean McVay does, <laughs> they have completely demolished the Cardinals. 10 and... I want to say he's like 10-1 and one against the Cardinals. Absolutely insane. And overall, the Rams were able to really just clamp down on the Cardinals' offense... And did enough, especially Cooper Cup, who I want to say had two touchdowns. They win 20-12 to on the road. So, a good win for the Rams. They've done well after that disastrous first game against the Buffalo Bills. And they'll definitely look to keep that going, that momentum going into week four. Next, our Sunday and Monday night football games were horrible. Oh my god, that was bad. Super duper bad. First we have Niners at Broncos. Broncos win this game 11 to 10. My lord. Both these offenses looked really bad today. There's turnover. Um, the Niners had three turnovers, which ultimately led to them losing this game, and they still only lost by one point despite losing the turnover battle by three. But. Just bad play calling all around for both teams. And the defense is just completely capitalizing on inept offense. Like, the offense, both offenses today look, I mean, not today, on Sunday looked wretched, horrid. Like, I don't even know, man. 
And obviously there's the Jimmy Garoppolo safety, which he, he threw a pick six on that, so he's lucky he actually got the safety. Otherwise, it would have been worse. But, I mean, there isn't much to talk about. I just don't – Nathaniel Haggett definitely needs to improve his play calling. Because when you have Russell Wilson at quarterback and your offense is still struggling this bad with guys like Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, your offense should not be strong. I'm not saying this should be an elite offense. I'm not saying that. But if this can be a decent, even average offense, if this offense could average 23 points per game, 23, this defense is more than capable of, of uh, of do, doing the rest. I don't think, what, they allowed 17 against Seattle, they allowed 9 against the Texans, and they allowed 10 this game. This defense has been excellent. The Broncos' defense has been excellent as advertised. It has been. The Broncos' defense has been their bread butter for the past, like, 7, 8 years. But it... It's been consistently wasted by a pitiful offense and bad quarterback play. And when they got Russell Wilson and, you know, and Nathaniel Hackett, who had learned under Matt LaFleur, like, I don't get why Nathaniel Hackett didn't just use Matt's playbook or at least integrate it into his own playbook because he saw what Matt did. He knew that worked and he knew his play calling didn't work because that's what got him out of Jacksonville. At his prior stop before going to Green Bay for three years and then becoming the Denver Broncos head coach. So I'm I'm not sure. Nathaniel Hackett's definitely need to get his game plan together because this offense looks messy and they're not gonna win many games like this. It's just you can't you can't rely on one side to do everything. You need balance. You need you need to have you need to have at least average offense, average defense, and average special team. You need to at least be, if you want to be a contender, you need to at least be above average, average at worst in all three of those categories. I'm sure there's exceptions, but those are the exceptions, not the rules. And then our final game, this one actually got a bit more exciting at the end. So this Monday Night Football game wasn't the worst thing. It was Cowboys at Giants. Obviously, Dak Prescott still out. Cooper Rush, who now is 3-0 as a starting quarterback. They win 23-16. And I got to give the Cowboys credit after that disastrous, pathetic offensive performance against the Buccaneers. They've done well. They beat the Bengals, who have a ton of offensive firepower. And at the Giants, who were off to a surprising 2-0 start, now 2-1. Cooper Rush did what he needed to do. Cooper Rush doesn't have to be, like, great. He just has to be just serviceable. Now he probably set himself up to be a backup for the next five years. And that's basically what his goal is. So congratulations to Cooper Rush. Looked pretty okay out there. Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott really pounded away at the Giants' defense in the ground game. And CeeDee Lamb made up for his atrocious drop ball by making a great catch, which led to a Cowboys score which he actually scored on, so he made up for it. But the refereeing, man, there was two super horrible calls. An atrocious – I forget who it was on. I think it was on – I forget who it was on, but it, it was it was like in the red zone. They were going to be at the one atrocious. Like, I think it was on CD Lynn. The dude literally pushed it. I, I don't really – literally, this is amateur mistake refing. Like, refs – even in the Packers-Bucks game, there was a lot of missed calls. Like, horrible. 
So, refs have been a little suspicious lately. They definitely need to get their A game going. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So, as for the Giants, look, they're still competitive. Look, this is a transition year for guys. This year, you're trying to see what sticks and what doesn't stick. All I'll tell you is Kenny Galladay definitely is not sticking. He will stick around this year because his cap hit is atrocious. It's like 21 mil cap and 31 and a half mil in dead cap. No one's taking on that thing. That thing is disgust. He just lost it. He just mentally retired. Like, he's dropping shit. He's not running routes properly. Like, what the hell? He's supposed to be in his prime, and he looks like he's like like a 45-year-old playing out there. Like, disgusting. And Sterling Shepard, very sorry to him. Torn ACL, out for the year. Dude's been made of glass the last few years, and it just overall, it just stinks to see. And as for the Cowboys, look, you're you're still in it. You're second in the NFC least. You're way better than Commanders, and you're probably better than the Giants. So, and it was a victory against an arch rival on the road, which is huge, especially for division play. You always... You always like to beat your rivals on the road first and because then you get them at home and you have a stronger chance of winning at home. So I got to give it credit to this staff and the players for locking down and really setting a game plan on how to win football games. Honestly, I thought the Cowboys would be like atrocious without Dak Prescott because they are. They're like really bad without him. But they formulated a game plan that fits this offense strengths by really pounding at that running attack and also Dalton Schultz is out so that's another hopefully Michael Gallup will return probably help out Cooper Rush a little bit too yeah so overall it was a very eventful week three obviously can't be well no can't wait for week four some teams look really good today some bad and some okay and I guess while I'm at it, I just wanted to talk about, since I'm not going to get to the college stuff, I will talk about Boise State since that's my team. Obviously, we lost in embarrassing fashion to UTEP, and I got to give credit to UTEP. They came out there and played a, a good football game, and we we played like literally rock bottom. Hank Bachmeyer played so atrocious that Tim Plow was fired, and rightfully so. He was a very bad offensive coordinator, absolutely horrible. He got kicked out. Dirk Cutter will take over as the interim OC, and I think he told him he was going to get – and he, he deserved to get benched after that. 12 of, like, 34 for, like – I think it was, like, 12 of 34 – 13 of – whatever it was for 93 yards is unacceptable. And he – I'm I'm sure he told Hank that Taylor Green was going to start, and he transferred. So Hank Bachmeyer enters the transfer portal. I hope, I wish him the best of luck. I just hope that he, I just hope he finds a good place to succeed, and good luck to him. But as for Taylor Green, I think there's some potential with him. He has definitely excellent running ability. We saw it in the game against Oregon State. Had that like 74-yard touchdown, threw some nice passes. Obviously, that interception was really bad. But but outside of that, he looked promising. So we'll see how he looks against San Diego State. And the biggest thing is just his running ability. 
Because, first of all, this offensive line is still not very good, which has been a major problem for a decent bit now, probably since, like, 2020. It's been it's been underwhelming for the third consecutive year now, which is not good. Albeit two starters are hurt, so that does not help anything. So, yeah, but... So, hopefully, Dirk Cutter completely renews the playbook... Throw what Tim Plow had out the in the into the trash can, and hopefully, I mean Dirk Cutter, he did decent with the Buccaneers in terms of offense. They were like pretty good. It's just their defense was horrible. So hopefully he can just this offense doesn't even have to be great. This offense just needs to be decent because this defense is really good. This defense has done really good in almost every all the. Okay, against Oregon State, then again, the offense had five turnovers, so I'm going to give them some slack. Against New Mexico, they were excellent. Against UT Martin, they were excellent. And against UTEP, they were fine for the most part, though UTEP definitely knew how to chew out that clock and run the run the ground game against us. So, hopefully, I just hope that... Um, because obviously, I want to see Andy Avalos succeed. He was our first choice. I like Andy Avalos. He's he was a former Boise State player, a really good player. Was our really good DC for us. Then he went to Oregon, came back here to his home team. I want to see Andy succeed. So I'm hoping the promotion of Dirk Cutter can be kind of the way. I hope well you can learn from a really bad loss because everyone talks about oh this is a really bad loss. How can you? Look, the what people don't talk about when it comes to really bad losses, it could be a wake-up call for a team. Losses to not a very good UTEP team, or at least not so far. They're 2-3 and three now. But you can learn, first of all, you can learn from your mistakes, but it, like, wakes you up like, okay, we can't, we can't do We can't fuck with this or can't fuck around like this anymore. We need to try something different. We need to get... We need to light a fire under our butts and get the fuck out there and play smart and hard. I don't get that line, play smart and not harder. Shouldn't it be play smarter and harder? Anyway, that's a whole different can of worms. So I hope Taylor Green with his running ability, and he seemed to have a pretty adequate enough arm, hopefully can bring sort of a different dynamic. And I'm excited for him, actually. I am somewhat excited. So we'll see how he looks against San Diego State. San Diego State has a really good defense, though, so it could be rough for him out there. But I think he can extend the plays and just make the offense just a bit more efficient at moving the chains. This offense has too many third and longs, and then it's a three and out. And hopefully we can also get the ground game going. But with that being said, that's all I have for you guys today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I know I did. I'm all right. Can't wait to see you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.